I'm speaking with Natalie Moore. Natalie is an award-winning journalist based in Chicago whose reporting tackles race, housing, economic development, food injustice, and violence. Her work has helped shift the way Chicagoans today think about segregation in the region. Natalie's acclaimed book, The South Side, A Portrait of Chicago and American Segregation, received the 2016 Chicago Review of Books Award for Nonfiction and was BuzzFeed's best nonfiction book of 2016. She is also co-author of The Almighty Black Peacestone Nation, The Rise, Fall, and Resurgence of an American Gang, and Deconstructing Tyrone, A New Look at Black Masculinity in the Hip-Hop Generation. Haymarket Books published her play, The Billboard, in March 2022. The play is part of the 2021 Bridge Program of the National New Play Network. It was performed by 16th Street Theater in June of 2022. So I wanted to start a little bit by talking about your background. What neighborhood did you grow up in? I grew up in Chatham on the South Side. And what was your experience growing up there like? I had a great childhood. I came from a tight-knit, middle, working-class Black neighborhood where I've never lived anywhere else in my life where I knew everybody on the block. We had a call tree, and there were no cell phones then. (laughs) My father was very active in the Block Club and the Chatham-Avalon Park Community Council. We did a lot of things in the neighborhood, went to church in the neighborhood, parks, Girl Scouts, I had friends in the neighborhood, I rode my bike a lot, would go to the Amoco station on 83rd and State and get the J's salt and vinegar dill potato chips that they don't make anymore. (laughs) It was a shiny green bag that they used to come in. There was a jewel that was walking distance from us, so we did have a grocery option, but we also left the neighborhood a lot to do things like to go to eat, to shop, but there were Black-owned businesses in the neighborhood, dentists, dry cleaners, things like that. How would you say that that experience growing up there helped to shape you? We're all shaped by our neighborhoods, no matter where we grew up. I would say when I, when you leave your city, that's when you start to get perspective on where you're from. And I realized that Chicago people's roots go really far back. I had friends from nursery school, not just friends from high school or even elementary school. So Black Chicago, at least the parts of Black Chicago that I was a part of, very tight-knit, It was encouraged to shop at Black-owned businesses. And so when I went to the East Coast, when I went to Washington, D.C. for school, I was surprised to be in a Black neighborhood and not see really any Black-owned businesses. And I thought, oh, this this is really different. And that's not to say that all of our businesses were Black owned. But in my family, we were really taught to shop as much as we could only the Black-owned businesses because they were not seen as outsiders who disrespected our community. Were you shaped, do you think, also in a lot of ways by that experience of living outside and then coming back and really seeing Chicago through a different lens? Yeah. And even when I was in graduate school, I lived in Evanston, and spent more time on the north side. I was like, oh, this is a different city. When I was growing up, I did not remain in a small radius. 
I took the L. I took the bus. I took the CTA to Morgan Park High School. My friends and I would take the L to go downtown. We went to Wicker Park. We went to parties. It wasn't even called the West Loop then. It was warehouses where the Fulton Market area is. So I was exposed to other neighborhoods. However, I think that it's less the, I mean, the place and the people are connected, but I really appreciate it, how deep the ties go for Chicagoans. And Black Chicago, it's not that there aren't West Indians here or Africans, but the dominant Black expression and Black cultural and political power in Chicago comes from descendants of the Great Migration. And how would you say that it is working as a reporter in your home city? Do you think that that's an advantage or do you think that also creates some challenges? It can be a little bit of both. I've been a reporter in other cities and you know, people are like, well, where are you from? Why are you here? You have to prove yourself. But I also think that there's a benefit of being a newcomer and seeing things with fresh eyes. I always wanted my career to be in Chicago. I saw journalism as a tool to expose inequities, but also to tell great stories about neighborhoods that get overlooked often by the mainstream. So being from here means that I have institutional knowledge. I can remember, oh, well, that business used to be there. Oh, well, that person was in office then. So I think that it does help, but I don't think that you have to be from Chicago to report on Chicago. I've noticed you in your reporting that you really focus on trying to discuss the nuances, both the positives about Chicago and the challenges. What do you hope that people take away from that perspective? I never wanted to see my job as just like, oh, I'm only going to tell good news stories. You know, I really don't believe in positive versus negative. You just want to tell the stories that are out there. And sometimes I want to tell something that's joyful or, or tell something that's highlighting maybe block clubs, because when people hear stories about Chicago who don't live on the South Side or West Side. They have a certain just lawlessness image that's here. And there are a lot of people who are working to better their community. So think about that, but I also think about the structural issues. When the best compliments that I got from the book, The South Side, which I was able to do because of my reporting at WBEZ, people would say to me, this is my story. I didn't know it had a name for it. Because we think that segregation is like air and water and that it hasn't been planned and that, oh, it's just happenstance. People want to live by each other. And there was much more intentionality in how not just our city, but how our region looks. I think it's interesting to you how we're coming full circle and realizing the ways in which all of us struggle as a result of that also. Yeah. Yeah. I think the tide is, has started turning where people are beginning to understand. How would you say that your experience of working as a reporter in Chicago informs how your lived experience in Chicago is? My curiosity never goes away, whether I'm on the clock or off. So there are times where I'm out and I'm like, oh, what's that? That's I'm going to follow up on that. That could be a story. And because I'm navigating different neighborhoods, that happens. The stage that I'm in now, I mean, I was a condo owner, then a homeowner. And it's not that I'm trying to make stories about me, but I get to see in real time some of these issues. I'm a CPS parent, so I know what the inequities are in CPS. So a lot of my work, not all of it, 
does draw from a lived experience. And I think that that gives me a deeper knowledge to ask the right questions. You mentioned earlier that it was a goal of yours to settle down in Chicago and work here. What is it about Chicago that made you decide that this really was where you wanted to stay? Well, I'm one of these Chicago evangelists, so I think the city is dope despite its problems. And my family's here. And I always thought to myself, if I have a family, children, I want to live near my parents. I had all four grandparents with me. I know that that's not always possible because of job opportunities and life and partners. But I mean, I have friends who are like, you are so, you don't know how lucky you are. I'm like, no, I do know how lucky I am. These are friends who live here and don't have family or live in other places and don't have family. And I'm not trying to replicate my same experiences because we want our children to discover things on their own. But yeah, I think it's an incredible privilege to be able to report from your hometown. What are some of the things that you find are challenges about living in Chicago? Housing, segregation, where to live, what you can afford, what your home value is going to be. I think sometimes there can be fear-mongering with violence, but no one wants to be a victim of crime. So personal safety is an issue. And then the more stories you hear, the more you think, oh, is this dangerous? And I think some of it isn't just from my experience, but watching, I'd like to think collectively, like, okay, well, I'm doing fine right now, but how are others doing? So seeing people struggling with unemployment or other issues, that can be hard. One of the things I know too, is that there's a lot of media narrative around the violence. Do you find yourself thinking about that in terms of how you engage with your reporting in terms of trying not to further that narrative? Yeah. You don't want to ignore these things, but I think that we in general try to not just make it headlines, who got shot over the weekend, who got shot today, but what are some of the systemic issues that are behind violence and what are people working on to eradicate violence? And how does working for a public radio station really change what it's like to be a journalist? Being a nonprofit media has been better for me than working in corporate media because I've been able to tell the kind of stories that I want to tell. There isn't the advertising pressure that you might have from other news organizations. So I've never been told, oh, you do too many Black stories. Oh, you do too many poor stories. Our listeners, because they're members, they expect nuance from us and they want to hear different stories from all over our communities. And you had the experience of being able to go to Finland and report on their prison system there. What insights did that give you coming back in terms of how you see Chicago and our criminal justice system here in the United States? I would say it's even bigger than the criminal justice system. It's been still a bit of a hard re-entry for me. Being in, I, I could have gone there and reported on public education. I could have done health care. I could have done parental leave. There are all sorts of topics I could have taken. And I would have had some of the same takeaways. And that is the government puts in place things to help people. And there's really high government trust. No matter what your political affiliations or ideologies are, a lot of people don't trust our government. And I'm not saying that they should, but being in a place where things were much more efficient, and for example, the prison system is guided on research from academics who research prisons. It's not politicized. 
Did you find too that there was less social inequity there? From what I saw, and I'm not going to say that there isn't, but much, much, much less than what we have. So I want to transition a little bit to talking about your new play, The Billboard. What was the inspiration for that play? There were multiple inspirations. Back in 2011, there were anti-abortion billboards going up in Black neighborhoods here in Chicago. And this was the start of a trend that was happening around the country, targeting Black women, targeting Black neighborhoods. And I covered that here, and it was a day one story. It didn't attract a lot of attention as far as, I think, moving the needle and bringing more people into the anti-abortion fold. And then in 2018, the same guy who was here in Chicago did another billboard in Dallas. And this time, a Black women's group called the Afia Center put up their own billboard basically saying abortion is self-care. I mean, people are talking about abortion a lot more because of the leaked Alito draft opinion. Calling abortion self-care was controversial because we don't tend to talk about abortion. And it's seen, even if you are for abortion rights, you think it's something private. And for many people it is, but there's still a little bit of a cloak of, of shame or embarrassment that's there. And I'm talking not just for the individuals and women who have abortions, but for maybe how society looks at it. So that was a really bold narrative statement. And it made me uncomfortable because I had never seen that before. And I was already tooling on another play. And then this came up. The billboard is not a reenactment of what happened in Dallas. But it is set in a city council race here because it's Chicago. So let's throw politics in it. And there is someone running for city council who puts up an anti-abortion billboard. And then a Black women's health center here that puts up a self-care billboard in response. What are you hoping that people take away from the play? That they leave the theater or leave reading it as a book with more questions than when they started. Also, writing a play is a new thing for you, if I'm not mistaken. So what was that like, given her compared to writing fiction or nonfiction or your reporting? Well, as I mentioned, my work is really based in a lot of my reporting. So I covered this issue. It was many years before, but that's how I really got to understand what these billboards are representing and who was doing them and why. There are a lot of similarities with playwriting and audio script writing, even though one's fiction and one's nonfiction, you're writing for the ear. Are you excited about the fact that your play is being performed this summer? Or are there any nerves also around that? I'm very excited. We've done workshops and table reads, and I did not know how fantastic it feels to watch actors read your words. So it's very exciting. The director is Teron Patton. I completely trust her vision. And I'm really excited to see how she brings this to life. Now it's time for me to get out the way. In closing, I just want to talk a little bit more about Chicago. What do you see as being the things that give you hope going forward as you look to say in the next five or 10 years for Chicago? I will say that in the 2015 mayoral race, nobody was talking about segregation, racial inequality. The 2019 race, the conversation was different. And I think that that's an important note to remember that the conversation, I mean, you could say, well, it's just talking, but 
the conversation shifting is part of the process in getting rid of inequities. You have to acknowledge the problems. A lot of these things are government doings and they have to be a part of rectifying that segregation. But I'm always hopeful or heartened, if you will, when I see people just taking care of their neighborhoods and being engaged. Do you think that Chicago is going to continue to move in a progressive direction? Because I see a tension between that movement toward a more progressive set of values in Chicago. And then on the other hand, there's kind of that pushback and saying that we need to focus on business and that that is sort of in opposition to those progressive values. Yeah, I don't know. I think that really determines on the people. The politicians tend to move this way or this way. And I guess I'm moving from, you know, right to left out of the center. They move based on what the voters and what the public and what the community is demanding of them. It's going to be interesting too, to see what this upcoming mayoral election brings in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time to talk today. It was really a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thanks for reaching out. I appreciate your interest.